0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Process Podcast. I'm Nick Veronica, joined by Charlie Witkowski, and this is the Bills offseason extravaganza. They have fallen short of their goal, once again, killing the vibes all week in town. But we're here for you. We're talking, we're breaking down the game, breaking down the loss, what went wrong, and we're looking ahead to next season. We're looking at the free agents, at the salary cap, what they can bring in, what they need, do they change any coaches, all that and more on The Process. Thank you to our sponsor, Ethos Performance Rehab. Thank you for listening, and if you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast. Get every episode delivered right to your phone.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Process Podcast, a little bit more somber episode today. To say the least, uh, Nick, the Buffalo Bill season has come to an end a lot sooner than what I think you and I and most of Bill's Mafia thought that uh, that it was going to end, but needless to say, man, the, the 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 Buffalo Bills just did not look themselves on Sunday.
0: They they didn't. They were not in the game almost at any point. And uh, for you and me, the only solace is we're getting better at, at doing the, these uh, postseason failure podcasts. So I remember we we talked right after uh, the Houston game was uh, one of the yeah. first episodes of the process and. Uh, you were beside yourself. And at, and at this point, it's uh, it's getting familiar in a lot of ways, which is actually one of the things that Isaiah McKenzie said in the locker room after the game, talking with Stefan Diggs. It's it's the same, seemingly the same issues every year. They're coming. They're getting, you know, great regular season. They get into the playoffs. And in, in the playoff games that they lose, they've been just getting absolutely steamrolled. So something's still got to change. I We've had what is this three of the most prolific seasons in bills history Mm -hmm. and there's the team still not even close to good enough so i mean they they have to prove that they're more than the third best team in the afc still let alone super bowl champions i tell you what i did have a very vivid dream last night uh that the bills won the super bowl uh and i was with you and it was uh feeling that like buffalo is on top of the sporting world like that was it was everything you hope it would be and it was it was it was real good and then i woke up uh i saw this you know you get to the point of dream where you realize that you're dreaming and then you're like not as upset when it it was kind of weird anyway you were there you loved it point being i'm not making this up i swear that was true um point being the bills have work to do and we're here to talk about what they need
1: yeah, you know, I think that um, you know. Look, let's just start with Sunday's game first. I think you got to really look back at, at at what went wrong on Sunday, and it's easy to say that hey, everything went wrong on Sunday because everything pretty much did. As a Bills fan, and mm-hmm. I know the players have said this as well, we weren't used to seeing the Buffalo Bills go down fourteen nothing that early and really have no fight, yeah. and. How, it was e- how weird was that by the
0: way like like no fight in a playoff game where demar hamlin like addressed the team in the locker room before the game and no juice at all like
1: what an epic failure to meet the moment like unbelievable you know this is a football team that look they went they went through a lot this year you know you've had home games moved you didn't get to spend christmas with your family because you're stuck in a snowstorm in chicago you're you know, you have a teammate, uh, you know, a brother more or less, as they say, went down on the field and almost died. And, you know, pretty much died in front of you on the field and and, and was was brought back to life in front of you on the field. And that's a lot to, to to deal with. And I think from the last few weeks of the season, this was a football team that was really just running on the adrenaline from from all of that. And I think when push came to shove, I think Mitch Morris kind of said it best. Like they just ran out of gas, they ran out of juice, and you know you could uh, uh, you could put some of that on the fact that everything happened in with Demar, and you know just maybe they just had no more emotion left, really, right? But mm-hmm. I think you can really put some of that also on the coaching staff and the strength and conditioning coaches, and I think you got to really look at that as a whole picture. Did they get overworked at times? Did they not? I personally think that if this Bills team had that first round bye, which not getting into any of that today, but I, I do think that you know they got screwed out of that first round by, you know, be given the fact that they weren't able to play a that's football fair. game. But had Buffalo gotten that first round by, I think we see a a different Bills team last week than what we saw.
0: That that's fair, and I, I was thinking back. Um, you know, you're going back. You're thinking week 17 was the Bengals game, week 18. Patriots, then right to the wild card against Dolphins. Mm-hmm. The, the Bills really, and I suppose you could go back even farther than Week 17, but the Bills didn't look themselves since the Demar injury. The Patriots mm-hmm. game, they they won big, but they also had two special teams touchdowns, and the offensive plays they did have were kind of like starting to see the trends that they ended up biting them in the butt, which is Josh looking for the big play, not taking the check down, And in that game, it just happened to work. And we had um, John Brown, amazing, amazing catch on a deep ball, diving into the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, Just very razor-thin margins that they happened to be converting in that game. And, by the way, needed two special teams touchdowns to win. Mm -hmm. And it was emotional, you know, the whole week. And you're like, okay, in in one at once, like, that's fine. And then the second game after DeMar is – Miami and I really just think Skylar Thompson wasn't talented enough to put them away but they were they were not pedaled to the floor they were you know they were they were not ready to put someone away Mm -hmm. Skylar Thompson's Skylar Thompson a seventh round draft pick like kept it fairly close
1: well look my argument to that is I don't think he kept it close I think Buffalo's offense allowed that Miami team to get sure sure right You know, I don't think it was anything that Skylar Thompson did great as much as these Dolphins fans and some of the NFL want to claim that Skylar Thompson did this great thing against Buffalo and you know. But I understand what you're saying,
0: right? So I mean, the the point the the Bills did not have their killer instinct for a while now, and and maybe some of those offensive issues were festering for much longer than than the Bengals game. But uh, when you're looking back on it, like they clearly did not have. Did not have the juice, and they got down fourteen nothing. Like the Bills have not been out of a game like that for so long, and they just they had no energy, they had no answer, they were making mistakes. It was just you know it wasn't even like a heartbreaking loss. You just
1: never had hope. Period. You know, one thing that I found interesting through that game was watching more and more. You see guys like you know you see Joe Joe Burrow. As soon as he got that ball in his hands, he knew where he was going with that ball as soon as that ball got there. And if you go back and watch some some of the, the, the video, Nick, most of the time, I would say most of the time, but you know, a few times he was catching that ball out of the snap and getting rid of the ball. He didn't even have his fingers on the laces. Hmm. He knew right away where he was going with that ball as soon as it got there. And I... I, truthfully, that's something that I don't know why Ken Dorsey and – and this Bills offense hasn't tried to do more of with Josh Allen. You have the guys who can get open short like that and a guy like Stefan Dixon and Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie, but instead you're sending them 15, 20 yards downfield mm. and forcing Josh Allen to make these deep throws on every single play.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to flip that background and, and think what was the defensive game plan? And maybe if you look at just at the stat sheet and you held this good offense, the 27 points and Burrow had 242 and two, like that's not, that's not terrible, but then you're like, Oh yeah, they were down three linemen. They knew mm-hmm. that they really couldn't block the Burrow got the ball out that fast because those were set plays. We don't think we can hold up and pass protection. We're going to get the ball out and you got to like, like what was the plan? The, the, first of all, the bills hardly got pressure against this, this backup line and but then like the coverage didn't seem to jive with what they were doing up front like why were they so far off constantly these were easy easy throws a lot of time for Burrow he was it was pre-snap he knew where he the ball was going and it got out before anybody could get home there was numerous instances where so it's like it's 3rd and 4 and the Bills defenders are like 10 yards like like they would just get to the mark the first down marker for free like un,
1: uncontested it was unbelievable That was the defensive game plan. And now I I saw someone on Twitter, and I and I don't know who it was, but he was kind of saying like the whole reason why Buffalo was doing that was they were more or less forcing. You know, I I think the perfect example that I keep seeing online was the third and four Mm -hmm. inside the inside the
0: twenty. Yeah, is that is that the one somebody drew all those arrows on?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go and actually watch the play, right, Tre'Davious White does get his hands on chase behind the first down marker, just couldn't make the tackle. But it, I guess th- they broke down that play a little bit deeper, and it looked like what the plan was was to play off, force them to throw that deep ball, but by the time that deep ball was thrown, somebody was on was on the, the receiver. The other thought was, okay, you're playing it's third and four, short field. You'd rather protect the end zone and protect the points at that point and not give them a touchdown there because you feel like you have enough faith in your defense within seven yards to keep them out of the end zone. Um okay, I don't know sure. about that one, man. Well, that goes back to the perfect Ben Don't Break mentality of this Leslie Frazier defense. You know, and after this game, Nick, I really don't know where this team goes from there, from here, because they weren't great on offense, they weren't great on defense. You have guys who in my opinion, just really don't fit this system out there trying to play a pretty tough game of football against a very good football team. Where do you go from here? What is your what is your plan? I don't know what the plan is. Yeah. You know, I think it started with today firing the safeties coach. I don't know if he's the one to blame because, you know, he's credited with a lot of what, you know, the, the a lot of the success of Teron Johnson. But you know, I think part of it is, and if you 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 go and you you look at these offensive coaches that Buffalo has, I want to start on that side of the ball first, and then we can get into what you call this defensive side of the ball. But you know, you look at the Buff the Bills offensive side of the ball, right? You have Ken Dorsey, first year play caller. You have Rob Boris, he's a tight ends coach, used to be an offensive coordinator for the Rams. You have Joe Brady, used to be an offensive coordinator. You have Aaron Cromer, used to be an offensive uh, coordinator. Aaron Cromer is the offensive line coach who was also spoken so highly of by Eric Wood and other past bills, offensive linemen on just how great he is an offensive line coach. Didn't see a lot of improvement there from the offensive line. You have Mike Shula, who's a a senior offensive assistant of assistant used to be an offensive line coach or I'm sorry, used to be an offensive coordinator. Um, My thought here, and, and you can, you know, please tell me if I'm wrong, Nick, but part of the issue in in my honest opinion with this with this offense was you had too many cooks in the kitchen that had way too much you know that had a lot of experience calling football plays that each wanted different ways of calling plays for this team. In my opinion, I think Ken Dorsey tried, tried to take a little bit from each one of those guys but wasn't able to come up with anything creative whereas I think Dable was more Dable brought what he learned in Alabama, what he learned under Belichick, you know, look at the coaches that Brian Dable worked under, you know, he worked under Bill Belichick, one of the greatest, if not the greatest football coach in NFL history, he worked under Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach in, in, in college football history, right? He worked under some great coaches in his time as an offensive coordinator that he kind of just brought all of that together. And now he's a pretty damn good coach as a head coach for the New York Jets. And I think Giants, Giants, I'm sorry, Giants. Yeah, let's not talk about the Jets. Um, for the New York Giants. But I just don't know what what to do with Ken Dorsey. I've been going back and forth on it all week, and I think the offense starts there. I think some of Josh Allen's issues, which he mentioned in his season-ending press conference, was his elbow just started feeling good about two weeks ago where he could start making throws again. Um, okay. So we can blame some of the issues on Josh Allen's elbow if you really want to. But what do you do with Ken Dorsey? Do you fire him? Do you give him a second chance? Because from Brandon Breen's press conference, the way he started that press conference, it sounded like Dorsey was gone. And then he was asked um, a question about Ken Dorsey. And he goes, you know, as we get into year two, which then made me think, okay, maybe Ken Dorsey's coming back. I mean,
0: yeah. So where so does this offense go? Listening to Bean... He was complimentary and praiseworthy of, of Ken Dorsey, and he, and he did kind of indicate that. Um, but keeping in mind, Bean is is never going to trash somebody in a press conference. No. Um, and the one comment, you know, I, w- I went back again because I thought that it was important, and it seemed very positive the first time I listened to it. And when I listened to it back, and he's saying, you know, it was his first year, and he's almost like making a built-in excuse for the guy a little bit. And then he goes, you know, at times I'm sure it felt like he was drinking out of the fire hose. And that's kind of the line that has stuck with me. Because even like a sure, that's that's true. But it's also like it's not just like, you know, could he develop into a good coordinator like in time? Like, yeah, of course. But you kinda of gotta wonder, like, do the Bills have time for that right now? Like, is that do you want someone who feels like they're drinking out of a fire hose when you're in the Super Bowl window? Do you want someone who's more established? Um, somebody, you know, somebody else that I I was texting with was was very angry, and they were like, "Fire Dorsey," you know, on Monday morning. I'm like, well, listen, first of all, he's he's got an interview for the Carolina head coaching job. Like, if you fire someone, you technically will most likely owe them some kind of money, and if they take a different job, they're like resigning. So, first of all, the Bills like aren't gonna. Do anything if they think Dorsey could be a candidate for any head coaching job. Period. I,
1: saw, I don't think. I don't think. Real quick, sorry. I, I don't know if Ken Dorsey is really a real candidate for that job, or if they're just kind of doing their due diligence on Ken Dorsey. Sure,
0: sure. But yeah. I mean, I don't. He got one. There's more jobs open. I mean, will he get more job? I don't know. Probably not, because everyone else probably saw exactly what we saw. But um, so, with that being said, in the the Panthers hired Frank Reich today, so he's off for that one. Like so now is like the very first day that I could I could see them actually making a move there. And the longer I get into the offseason, I keep thinking, especially because Joe Brady, who was an offensive coordinator in the NFL, he was with Joe Burrow and LSU. He's basically like came in already as the safety valve if Thorsey didn't work out. He's getting looks. For offensive coordinator positions, I'm like, man, do you really want to lose that guy, knowing it's already not going super with Dorsey? And I say, soup, mm-hmm. they were 13 and three, like it was good, but it wasn't close to good enough. You know, you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm leaning toward the pro Well, all right, they should. I'm leaning toward they should part ways with Dorsey and promote Joe Brady. Will they up. actually do it? I mean that that's that's the the real question here. They seem not willing to fire people. Michelle McDermott so, "So kumbaya, everyone is cool. Everyone can stay mm-hmm. uh, unless Sean McDermott needs a scapegoat, uh, like he seemed seemed to need for 13 seconds last year when they fired the special teams coordinator and didn't no
1: no one took accountability." But it seems to me that. Um... You know, well, well let, let's start here. Talk about Joe Brady. Don't forget, the Alabama offensive coordinator job is also open as well. You know, Bill O'Brien took the job earlier this week as the offensive coordinator in, in New England. Um, so you're sitting there with an open offensive coordinator job there in, in Alabama, which could also really be enticing to a guy like Joe Brady. Go back to college where you had success with, with Joe Burrow make a name for yourself again after, you know, for a year or two there at a great college football program. And maybe he gets a head coaching job that way. But in my honest opinion, I think Joe Brady with his creativity that we saw at LSU with Joe Burrow would be a perfect fit for this offense. You have a quarterback who is a unicorn quarterback who can do things that no one else in this league can do with the football in their hands can do things with his legs that no other quarterback in this league can do with their legs and you need to find ways to utilize him. This is a Buffalo Bills team that had Josh Allen cover up so many of the bad things Mm -hmm. that this team did wrong for so long. Like, okay, he wasn't great Sunday. We get that. But I don't think we as a fan base can sit here and and really realize. You know, I think we saw it, right? I think it's safe to say how much we saw of Josh Allen because he literally – you know, had something to do with almost every touchdown this year, um, either with his feet or with, with, with his arm. Um, but he covered up so much for the people inside of that building that, you know, we had blinders on for half the year. Yes, this team was 13-3. and three, I get that. But this team also did not look good after the bye week. It seemed like they played Kansas City, won that game against Kansas City, and turned it off. This was not the same football team after the bye because of what it was before. And look, Josh Allen got hurt two weeks later. Like, I understand that. Okay. But even before the injury, that the second half, we go, we always go back to it on this on the show. The second half of the Green Bay game and pretty much the entire Jets game, Josh Allen looked pedestrian. Do and you and Dorsey had no answers for it? Mm-hmm. For a pedestrian-looking Josh Allen. Had no answers to get his quarterback back in. To the flow of the game. Even look at Stefan Diggs' numbers the first half of the year before the bye week and look at his numbers after the bye week. His numbers went down. He didn't was not getting the ball as much. Some of that could be coverage. Some of that could be hey, Josh Allen hurt his arm. He could really only do so much with it. But when you when your best receiver, you have one receiver on the entire football team that could actually catch the ball. You have a bunch of average guys outside of that. And then Dawson Knox luckily started coming around at the end of the year. But he you had one guy on the football team that could catch the ball, and you're not getting him involved. That's just calling that you know, that's problems. When Brian Dable was here, he was drawing up schemes to get guys open mm-hmm. on plays.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: see any of that from Ken Dorsey.
0: And and what what's really concerning to me is that that the trend we saw, and I got I will to just for the a counterpoint here, you're talking the second half of Green Bay. So that, that, you know, the next game was the Jets. So it's basically six quarters where he was maybe off, and then that's where he hurts the elbow, which is, I mean, who, who, who knows how to rank? Only Josh Allen can tell you how to rank, you know, where those factors lie. But something that, that I thought is that we constantly, all season, saw Josh Allen struggling to not try to make the home run and to ch- take his check downs, take the short yardage, and basically just die another day. And when you're thinking in, in your head about like what what type of stress must you be under? What you know, what what factors must be a play in your head where you constantly, even in a profession where they review film like crazy every single week, still can't force yourself to like take it, take the, the shorter, smaller plays. And these are not like we're not saying stop throwing to the open guy downfield for this contested short throw. Like, like these guys are open, like these are hittable throws. And it's just like something in his brain is not, it's the, the wires are not connecting to say, you need
1: to do this. So, I what, if what type just of no trust in those guys?
0: Yeah, okay, it's exactly, exactly
1: what. Well, you're talking the, the receivers themselves? I'm talking in the short dump off throws to the running backs and tight ends. If Did he have no trust in his running backs? How many times mm. did you see the running backs drop a ball or the ball tip off their hands or something this year or an easy swing pass to a running back and Devin Singletary bobble it like he's, you know, eight? buttered popcorn before the game Mm -hmm.
0: um yeah that is that is concerned like the drops this year this season were were ridiculous but then my next thought would be well then he would force it more to the one guy who can catch which is Diggs. but there were so many stretches where he didn't even throw at Diggs.
1: i mean i i think at that point too though he knew that look i can't trust these guys downfield i have more trust in gabe or Diggs or mckenzie a little further down i'd rather take that chance deep yeah and I mean, I mean,
0: I'm saying like these guys were open, though. Like, like any, you know, right. even if oh, someone's not making a contested catch, like these guys are open. Like any, yeah. mo- damn near every pro can catch the open one. It's the contested ones where the you know their focus fades in and out sometimes. Well, and so, I think part of that know, goes on Dorsey, though, right? Or right. Or that put, that's exactly that where I'm going. It's like like for what reason could Allen not trust the offense, the, like the way it's being told to Ken Dorsey? Like, like what what is going on there? Like somewhere. Somewhere there's a lack of trust, or there's mixed communication, or mixed signals, or he's unsure what he's supposed to do, or his arm hurts, or like something, like some, like there's some seemingly, and I'm totally reading into this, could be wrong. To it feels like like the the level of trust you need is like not there, and it clearly was under Brian Dable, and they're still missing that right now. So to to me, it's almost you know I think sure in. If you let Ken Dorsey have this job, you know, five years from now, he'd probably be a damn good coordinator.
1: Did and you I, think- I don't know if you saw this in the game Sunday, but I swear I saw at one point Josh Allen was reading the playoff and he goes, No, 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 no. And like reads a different play and starts reading another play off his wristband. Now, I don't know if, you know, Josh Allen was like, Look, I don't like this play. Ken's calling. I'm making my own place at this point or really what was going on. The one thing that, though, intrigues me – You, you know, guys sent me the video on that one. I can't I'll, I'll define – I saw it on TV. I haven't seen it anywhere mm. else. I saw it on TV with my own two eyes. Um, I'll have to see if I could find it, you know, if I go back on the DVR or something and find it. But um one thing that I've noticed as well, and I don't know about you, when it comes to this offense, inside of two minutes, this offense is very good. And usually. I think part of that – usually, right? I think 90 – you could say 90. of the time, right? Like, this offense is pretty good. From my understanding, and I don't know if you've heard different, from my understanding, inside those two minutes, that's Josh Allen calling the plays. That's Josh Allen doing all the play calling inside the two minutes, not Ken Dorsey. And the offense seems to flow a lot better inside of two minutes than what Ken Dorsey does. Interesting. I always
0: wondered, like, why they didn't try that, you know, the the no huddle stuff more often because Josh – Especially when he knows the coverage and can read it ahead of time, and they can't disguise on him as much. That's when he seems even better. Like I was kind of surprised at no mm-hmm. point in that Cincinnati game where they like, let's try something different. Let's go no huddle. Let's speed it up. Let's try to get it in into rhythm that way. Like it's uh, that is a good point. Like even against uh, in, in the Dolphins game, the Dolphins score you know with less than two minutes left before halftime, and you're like, oh damn! And the Bills go out there and just. Suddenly, piece start piecing together this drive. Boom, 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 boom. Points and hey, how many of they ended up winning the game by? Three points. Right.
1: right. It, it's amazing how different the offense runs under Josh Allen. I mean, do you just give him the reins next year and say, "Look, Josh, you just you, here, here's your options. You run, you run the offense." You know, similar to what like Brady used to do in New England. I don't know if that's a thing i don't know if that's something that they would put that much trust in mm. josh allen but josh allen is a franchise quarterback he's out there playing the game ken dorsey in my opinion has already proven that he is not ready for this job yet mm. i i like i know joe brady got fired in carolina i know things didn't work out there but let's face it carolina was a dumpster fire with or without brady mm-hmm. right that that was a dumpster fire when yeah, Brady they, they, left they were- not
0: tanking tanking, basically.
1: Right. They they were not bad under Brady. They got worse once Brady left. And he had a terrible team there to you know, he had Sam Darnold as a quarterback and it was just a mess there. Yeah, McCaffrey was hurt, right? Right. McCaffrey was hurt most of the year. You had Chuba Hubbard, who I think was a rookie at that point that year.
0: <laughs> um every time I hear that name, I think it Chris Berman called him. He said the the chuba missile crisis. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that's a good one. Dude, you Chris Berman, you can always count on him to come up with with something good Shout here. out, out to
0: his researcher, I bet.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, I do think that it, Buffalo's got to make a decision soon on Ken Dorsey because the Jets are the Jets wanted to interview him. They ended up going out and signing a guy, signing Nate Hackett. You had um, the Jets wanted to interview. Joe Brady. Yeah. They requested interview, interview Joe Brady. The Chargers have requested interview Joe Brady. I don't know if Buffalo is going to grant those permissions. I've heard Joe Brady really likes it in Buffalo as well. That he's enjoying Buffalo. So I don't know what they decide to do with him.
0: All right. Well, just let me, just in the last, let's say the last five to ten years of Buffalo sports, like this is. Again, as I was saying before, like I think over time, Dorsey would grow into be a, a decent coordinator. Like the decision you got to make is is do you have that kind of time to wait right now? But do you feel in the last five to ten years, like the Bills slash PSE have made those tough decisions? No. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mm-hmm. where I was leaning to. Like fire, firing Rex Ryan was like. You know, NFL-wise, not that hard of a call. Right. right. You know, firing Ralph Krueger didn't end up being that hard of a call.
1: Yeah, I, I, look, the, I think in order for this team to be successful next season, limited all over the board, you got to make a tough call, and that might start with firing Ken Dorsey. That might start with firing mm-hmm. Leslie Frazier. I also have thought at times this defense has looked a lot better in years past when Sean McDermott is the play caller. One thing to keep in mind, Nick, with all these teams that are still left in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. all of their head coaches now, I know they're all offensive guys. I'm not saying, look, I'm going to shut it down right now. Enough with the fire Sean McDermott talk because that's complete BS. That's not happening. No one's firing Sean McDermott. I don't think he's – I think he's the guy. I believe in Sean McDermott. Mm -hmm. I trust the process. No If
0: Sean McDermott was available, there would be teams that fire their current coaches in order to try to get Sean McDermott.
1: Correct. I would agree with that. And I think there's two teams in the AFC East that would jump on that. (laughs) Um, But Sean McDermott's defense looked very good when Sean McDermott was the one calling Mm -hmm. the plays in years past. Mm -hmm. And all of these play callers, or all of these these coordinators and head coaches that are still left, the head coaches I should say, um, are all play callers for their team on the offensive side of the ball. Andy Reid calls the plays on the offensive side of the ball, not Eric bien Kyle Shanahan's calling the plays on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: what? Why? why do you, have you read or have you heard? Like, why? Why is that? Does McDermott think he's like you know building up everyone around him by
1: letting that happen? Is it? Does he like not having the pressure? Like, does if, he like? I don't know why, but I'm wondering. Does he like the fact that Leslie Frazier and you know he tr- has that much trust in Leslie's mm-hmm. veteran ship? You know, yeah. Leslie's been in the league a lot longer than Sean McDermott has.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a thing where like seniority simply managing a game is like enough enough of a you know enough stress on him and, and he struggles he, with
1: that at times
0: he yeah that's true but i mean i mean i, I don't know the reason i'm curious have you seen anything if anyone listening out there has like read uh, this article and i'm forgetting about it like what why does sean mcdermott defer to his coordinator to call plays when it's really his his defense uh i would be but curious here's my question, Nick.
1: you texted me this this week is it really Sean McDermott's defense, though, or is it more of Leslie Frazier's defense? Is Leslie Frazier – you know, I'm sure they're they're very similar, right? They both run a 4-3 defense. But how much different are their two defense? Like, who is making the call in in these games? You know, you go back to the first playoffs game against Houston. You go back to last year at 13 seconds. Even when Buffalo got blown out by KC – two years before that and you know in this past year who's the one making the call to put your 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 defensive backs eight to ten yards off the receiver at the line
0: and then taking time out and still not fixing it
1: the blueprint has been there throughout the year on how to stop these quarterbacks the blueprint was there on how to slow down miami you saw the chargers do it you saw other teams do it before the miami game against tua um you know a few weeks ago week 16 whatever that was right before Christmas. Um, and then you have the blueprint on how to stop Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, which Baltimore did two weeks in a row. They were able to slow Joe Burrow down in the second half, almost came back to beat hit, beat them that game. And then they made Joe Burrow look like a normal quarterback and the entire offense look lost. And if it wasn't for Baltimore's quarterback going up when he should have went down, Baltimore would have been the team moving on. The blueprints right, so, have been there, but who? So who who is making that call to say, "I think I I know what I'm doing better than these guys do, and I think I'm a better coordinator than these guys do." And who who's the who, why is Sean McDermott at that point not coming in saying, "Look, here's the defense that works. Let's do this."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do I have the guys a, to do that? I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit of like if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. And like this is your team, so I would I'm going to tell you I can't imagine. It isn't Sean McDermott's defense. And I know that there was, I'm thinking of a press conference where Sean McDermott had said, this is Leslie Frazier's defense. And I thought at the time that was very clearly a little bit of a fib because Leslie Frazier was up for head coaching jobs and he wanted to say something nice for Leslie Frazier. All right, I'm going to give you uh, like Galaxy Brain hot take here. It had better be Sean McDermott's defense because if it's not why did you keep him and lose Brian Dable last year if you want a galaxy brain take they should have realized last year offense is more important than defense we can't lose what's working for Josh Allen in this offense we must
1: keep Brian Dable and if we need to promote him to head coach we're going to do what it takes because let's be honest if you fired Sean McDermott at the year the Buffalo had last year and you saw this team ascending Hmm. I mean, I didn't say you had to. You could. You could promote him to the director
0: of football operations, like Tom Coughlin. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm mean, just. This is. I'm not saying I even believe in this take. This is a galaxy brain level take. But no, I, I, I get it, that. If it's not his defense, like what? Why is? Why would you lose Dable if if to keep? I mean, I don't know.
1: Okay. I, look, I'm not a player. Obviously, I never played in the league. I don't know. But but I would think that it, you know part of that would be. We can't upset these coaches. You can't upset these players. These players love, and they all speak very highly of Sean McDermott. Yeah. I don't think that that's BS. Well, they all right? like win in the Super Bowl too. They do, they do. But I think if you fire Sean McDermott after what they did last year, and and they looked good, and they looked dominant against Kansas City last year, mm-hmm. there was not one point in the playoffs last year that this offense, you well, know, did not look dominant. Mm-hmm. And, and really, the defense until the Kansas City game, but Kansas City had their way with Buffalo most of most of the last few seasons and mm-hmm. Buffalo was right in that game and had a chance to win. I, I firmly believe and this is where you and I are a little bit different in our believing. I firmly believe that this is Leslie Frazier's defense and Sean McDermott trusts Leslie Frazier that much to take over play call duties and to make those play calls and let him run his defense.
0: I, I get given I mean it's so hard saying this when they just had such a good regular season they have three straight division titles but you're I trying mean, to win a Super Bowl and you're not getting close enough at all like you gotta make bigger changes here and I think some, like you're saying you don't want to upset the players I'm like sometimes like it's okay to rock the boat a little bit like you need the results to change you need things to change and at some point you're just
1: doing it the same way over again and getting the same result. You know, my concern is like, – I, I get it, right? Like, hey, but we're all talking about a team that just went 13-3. and three. Talking about a head coach that's up for coach of the year candidate. Right? Now I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he should win.
0: He's technically not a finalist, and ESPN messed it up, and oh, it's, okay. it's, it's weird now. But So he's not – so the, it's only like, top three. Yeah, it's only supposed to be top three for that award, but they, they did five like everybody else, so – McDermott finished between fourth and fifth, it seems, in coach of the year voting. And I'm sure he – I mean, the way he handled the DeMar stuff was seemingly great. His players all got through it, you know, as people, which, you know, it, that, that was bigger than football, and, you know, no one's ever going to take that away from him. Um, you know, but it didn't work on the field. So,
1: I just don't know. It's tough. I, like I'm not, I'm not firing Sean McDermott. I think I'm starting with no. my coordinators. If I'm, right. If I am Brandon Bean, I am starting with my coordinators. You know, I think, and I think the safety being fired, the safety's coach being fired today, is just Buffalo not overreacting. But you're also going to start working from the bottom up. Yeah, I mean, how much is a safety's coach? Like, how much difference is that really making? I think a safety's coach. I, I think it's just the start. I don't think it's the end. I think you're going to see more mm-hmm. coaches go. I think. You know, you gotta look at defensive line coaches too. And I and, and everyone has talked so very highly about Buffalo's defensive line coaches. But I think there needs to be a change there too. You know, I think you're gonna see a big change um on this on this Bills coaching staff come next season. Don't forget they waited till really well into the offseason last year to really go and make any changes to this coaching staff. Right. They they waited a while before they announced Ken Dorsey as as the offensive coordinator. They did their due diligence. They took their time. I think they're really going to take their time and really sit down and assess the season. Now, however, you fire the coordinators and you move on from them, and this team goes 13 and 3, 13 and 4 next year, which I don't think they'll do. They have a very difficult schedule next season. But this team, you know, has another very good regular season and gets into the playoffs and lays another egg, then you know what? I'm coming on this podcast and I'm telling you, I think it's time we move on from Sean McDermott, no matter what that looks like. Wow. Because at that point, okay, it's the process of elimination. You got rid of the coordinators. You thought maybe, okay, the last few years our defense has not looked good in the playoffs in big games. Okay, maybe it's time we we move on from Leslie Frazier. And then you move on from Leslie Frazier and your defense doesn't look any better. Well, then guess what? I think it's time that you know, you let go of Sean McDermott. I mean, Nick, this is a defense that has allowed 107 points and 1,400 yards in the last three playoff losses. Like, yeah. that's when, that's When they lose,
0: they get smoked.
1: And, yes. And 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 really, we haven't seen this team really get smoked since Indianapolis last year at at, at home when Indianapolis came and just ran the ball down mm-hmm. Buffalo Stoner and just completely destroyed him with Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor. I mean, I would, I would, a lot
0: of their wins this year felt deceiving. You know, they would – they they lost three games the entire regular season by a combined eight points, and it's like
1: they're not even playing that well, and they still put up 30. Well, and and it's crazy, right? You think about it. They should have – they they had that Minnesota game all but one. You know, you were a fumble away from winning that game, right? You win that football game. Um I think you're 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 one healthy safety away from beating the Miami Dolphins in that game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um through loss, the Jets loss. You're a Gabe Davis catch away from maybe beating the Jets in yeah, that game. Just
0: partially tears his UCL, still right. chucks the ball 60 yards on a dot,
1: and Davis drops it. So I mean, think about that, right? Like not saying that this team's going undefeated at any point, but All the Bills' tough games, I noticed too, looking at the schedule. All the tough games next year are on the road. I can't sit down the road. You got to go to Indianapolis. You got to go, you know, you you have the easier. They're losing a home
0: game for London.
1: Yeah, and you're losing a home game for London. You know, I hope it's not one of the games I was planning on coming for, but maybe I'll just take a roadie to (laughs) London instead.
0: Um, Well, let me me ask you here. So, tied into coaching, the Bills have not drafted well. That was my next
1: point I was going to give you.
0: Okay. So, I mean, a lot of that is is so much of that actually is development. Once you're here, the bills have Mm -hmm. not made impact choices, basically with any of their day two, day three. Okay. I I shouldn't say any, but, but very few picks. And like, those are the inexpensive players that you need. Those are the homegrown guys that you need in there. You know, Brandon Bean does have a very good reputation for building this, this team. He picked Josh Allen. They developed Josh Allen, but like, where are the pieces
1: around it? You know, so so let me give you this, this stat that I heard this week. Uh, who is the last player that Brandon Bean drafted to make a Pro Bowl? To make a Pro Bowl? The last player that he drafted. Now, obviously, Josh Allen would, would be the one now, but after. Sure. But before Josh okay. Allen.
0: Um, Bean drafted. Did Jadavis White or Dawkins make a Pro Bowl? Not as like Pro Bowl starters. I think they both went as like reserve guys. Mm, okay, Pro Bowl starter. I can give you. Now, let me think. A hint. It's not. So not Josh. So we're, he we're no not... longer
1: plays for the team. I'll give you that hint. Hmm.
0: No longer plays for the team. Uh. Well, it's definitely not Zach Moss. No. 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 A bean draft pick who no longer plays on the team. Yeah. Did Did he make the Pro Bowl for the Bills? No. Oh, there we go. That's that's the trick right there. All right, all right. Um, why did they draft Wyatt Teller?
1: There's your answer. That, is it really? Your, wow. Yes, your answer. Well, all right. Very good job. Yes, Wyatt Teller is the last Brandon Bean draftee to be elected to a Pro Bowl.
0: That's crazy. And obviously, Josh Allen is making the Pro
1: Bowl this year to change that. But before that, that that's wild. Right. I mean, it's crazy to think about, right? Like that's where Brandon Bean the Pro Bowl this year is who Milano. Uh, no, I don't think Milano made the pro bowl. Honestly, I was not paying any attention to the pro bowl this year because I did not think Buffalo was going to be there. Mm-hmm.
0: So Tremaine you know? Edmonds is a quote unquote two time pro bowler, but you're saying he was not, he wasn't an initial selection. He was a replacement in those games.
1: Correct. Correct. He was not an initial selection. He went in because Got someone else, um, yeah, I mean, dude, like you got to give Brandon credit, right? Like he's gone out and he—he, he, he, you got to give him credit for finding Josh Allen, but I mean, that 2018 class—the last time he had mm-hmm. any Pro Bowl players.
0: It's crazy. Matt Milano is an All Pro, but not a
1: Pro Bowler. Crazy, right? Um, and to me, you know, like. You go out last year, you can talk about Brandon Bean, and, and, and this is, is going to be such a make or break year, in my opinion, for Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to call him Big Baller Bean, and oh, Brandon Bean's a wizard with the cap. He's going to have to be a freaking wizard this year with the cap. But you go out last year, you draft a defensive back in the first round who you're afraid to use all year.
0: Oh, you I know? don't know if they were afraid. He just sucked. I mean,
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he did, did. Did you think Kyler Elam sucked all year? I, I think Kyler Elam was not given a fair shake to go out there and I mean, learn. Playing, do you, do you think he was better than
0: Christian Bedford looked much better all preseason?
1: Okay, but do you think when Bedford went down, do you think Elam looked better than Dane Jackson? Did Dane Jackson have any business being out there? Um, I don't think Dane Jackson, looked no, I
0: mean, I feel like it was close and Elam was maybe taking some
1: penalties. Okay, 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 I'll give and you not, that. Not
0: that either of them were like great, so uh, I mean, you can go either way. I, I if you said. I'll live with that. He's a rookie. Give him his reps. I would totally hear you.
1: By the way, thoughts of I mean that's where I where I'm going with the career. Give him his reps because I thought he looked very good in the Miami game. Okay. Um. But you know who also who also looked really good and I can't remember his first name anymore. But Ingram, he was an undrafted guy. He was he's on the practice squad. Uh, is it Jamarcus Ingram? Jamarcus Ingram. That is correct. Or Marcus Ingram. Is Jamarcus or Marcus, one of the two. I'm gonna look it up right now. Um. But I thought he looked pretty good, but I, not that I think he's starting over Kyrie Elam by any chance. But um, um you, you mentioned Christian Bedford. Now there's talks about moving him to safety. I saw that. Which it worked out pretty well for Antonio Williams.
0: Uh, John Marcus Ingram.
1: Yes. He's from University of Buffalo, correct? He went to Utah State and Utah Texas State. Tech and UB. So, so Okay. So I, I was right there at some point. Um. I really really liked him. I saw him a little bit in the Miami game. I thought he played very well in that game until he went down hurt. And then it kind of opened things wide open for him. He's Miami big, six point. two. Yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. Um, but moving Bedford to safety, I think, might be a good move in case you do lo- lose Poyer, which we're gonna talk about the cap stuff here in a minute or so. Um, but you you look at what Brandon Bean has done in the draft, he hasn't done anything great outside of Josh Allen nick you and i have said it i don't know how you know if we've really said it on this podcast but we said it to each other you know via text Deion dawkins is good he's not mm-hmm. great yeah he's
0: he's average to above average and not more i mean i guess milano needs to go in the
1: in the great great pick bin brandon bean is very good at finding talent from round four to round seven he struggles to find the good talent from rounds one, mm-hmm. two,
0: and three. I mean, wh- when are we going to see Boogie Basham
1: like really uh, start a, start a don't game? Even, or like... Don't even mention Boogie Basham. Let's mention the entire defensive line that he's drafted. Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Adrian Vanessa. That's four guys on the defensive line that you have drafted that have not looked. You know, and those are all first and second round guys who have not looked like first or second round picks. Ed Oliver gets outplayed by Christian Wilkins in Miami all the time. Jalen Phillips looks a lot better than Greg Rousseau has. So, I, I, I is Brandon Bean – if I was Brandon Bean, my big thing would start going, drafting the best player on the board besides – who cares about position unless it's a quarterback? I don't know. Obviously, don't take a quarterback. But best best player on the board, regardless of position, you go and take him. Is that not how they got stuck with Boogie Basham? No, I think that they they had a need from Kansas City the year before when they got their butt kicked by Kansas City that they needed pass rush, and they thought Boogie Basham was going to be a, pass, a good pass rush guy for them. Because they drafted Greg Rousseau in the first round. They knew they needed pass rush help.
0: I'm looking at the 2011. I'm sorry, 2021 draft right here. You know, Creed Humphrey, lineman for Chiefs, went two picks after Basham.
1: Mm-hmm. That's funny. I mean, there was guys there that Buffalo could have taken. I mean, Nick Von Miller went down in week 12, right? Something yeah, about there. Yeah, yeah Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, week 12, Thanksgiving. The Bills pass rush through weeks 1 through 11, they were 7th in pressures, 12th in sacks, and 11% in in pressure percentage. After week 12, when you start putting in all these guys that you've drafted, they go 22nd in pressures, 25th in sacks, and 19th in pressure percentage. Yuck. And you invested a lot of resources on this defensive line. You You invested a first round pick, multiple second round, you know, two first round picks. If you counted Oliver, two first round picks, two second round picks. You know, that could have been other players in other positions that right now you have glaring holes at.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, so I will say Brandon Bean did make a point this week about, I think it was, it was Elam related and he kind of made it about all his picks is that if you're on a bad team, like, yeah, you have time to just throw these rookies out there and just let them make mistakes and let them grow that way. And his point was like on a a really good team, like most of these starting jobs are kind of already spoken for. And it is a lot harder to get your young guys experienced that way, which I do understand. And then on the other hand, it's like this, you still need to realize like where, where we are in the NFL with the salary cap, like you need performance from your inexpensive players, period. Like these are cost controlled players. You are artificially manipulating their market value in order that they may provide you cheap labor. Like you need, uh, if it sounds exploitative, like, yes, you you must exploit that the way the league is currently set up.
1: What do you think is the long-term plan, I guess, for Brandon Bean at this point, or a short-term plan at this point? You know, he said in his press conference that they have a plan for every single season.
0: They do, and he his, so his very best quote was, I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase.
1: Which, and, okay, people are taking that out of context. Yes,
0: they are. I, I think it, it was still informative to how he thinks. Is basically like they, they don't want to ever set themselves up to be totally screwed cap-wise and the team is going to be bad.
1: Yes, I think that's, that's kind of what I was taking from it, right? It was kind of like I don't want to be bad enough that we're drafting in the first five picks, right? I want to make sure my team is competitive year in and year out. And truthfully, the mm-hmm. only reason why Cincinnati fell into Jamar Chase – was because Joe Burrow got hurt his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Had Joe yeah. Burrow gotten hurt, I don't know if Jamal Chase falls. To mm-hmm. him.
0: And by the way, like like the the Buffalo, like you know, some national people like, oh, he's
1: dunking on he's not dunking on Chase. No, the, it's just the, the, the national media trying to spur up more drama. Well,
0: I mean, so Eli's Eli, like yeah, Eli it's like, like that yeah, it's like they're not understanding like where that's coming from. But um, the Buffalo comeback to that would be like, well, Brandon, like. I have good news for you. You don't actually need to draft a receiver, you know, one five to, to make an impact. Like you could try drafting a receiver before the fourth round because you haven't done that in your last five drafts. Draft a receiver. Get Josh some help. Like Gabe Davis in the
1: fourth round is the highest receiver they have picked. And he has issues. Speaking of Gabe Davis, and then I want to I want you to talk about the salary cap stuff here. It, it, what do you do with Gabe Davis? Is Gabe Davis, I guess the better way to put it, two-part two, two part receiver question. Mm-hmm. Is Gabe Davis a Buffalo Bill next season? I think that Gabe Davis I think is a perfect— the answer
0: is yes.
1: Okay. See, I think Gabe Davis is a perfect trade candidate going into his last year of his contract. He was okay. I think he took a major step back this year. I don't know. Uh, okay. Second part of that question is, I look like, if you could trade Gabe Davis in like a second round pick for a really good, you know, maybe one really good two wide receiver, I'd do it in a second. I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins; I don't want him anywhere near.
0: The you're, Buffalo th- Bills. you're saying like a, like a top five second round pick for the Bills second and Gabe.
1: No, I'm saying if I'm Buffalo, I'm trading Gabe in a second round pick for a current. Rostered player in the NFL. Oh, I oh, oh, gotcha. I'm gotcha. going to get myself a very good wide receiver, two, mm-hmm. maybe a low end wide receiver one.
0: Okay. Right? Uh, yeah, I could, I would definitely hear that. Um, I'm mostly saying I think Gabe stays because he is very inexpensive. He's, he's, and he's
1: very good run blocking, which has been, sure. an issue for this.
0: and I think you've seen, um, I think Bean's point was, was something about. You know, Gabe was technically still a backup a lot of the time. Like he was coming on and not not basically getting the best coverage. And he was very able to exploit that. And he was also fresh all the time. And being a starter out there constantly all the time against very, you know, top coverage, and especially being didn't say this part, but teams that have two strong cornerbacks uh that was that was frustrating to him more and you know you do have to give guys time to grow you do have to let them flourish you do have to let them you know let their experience take them places um i i don't think they should go in saying you know digs davis are one and two for us like that would be a mistake i think there's still a, a spot on this team but i think they need to to definitely add a weapon better than Gabe davis
1: I mean, not for nothing. There's really no free agents that are, right, jumping off. You know, one name I hear mean, like, a lot like, of is Paris Campbell.
0: Yeah, that's not like. Does that feel like an upgrade over Gabe Davis to you? No. No. Odell Beckham, like maybe,
1: maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'm even going at this point. I don't know if I can even afford him. <laughs> um, second part question. Because I know everyone's talking about it. Is Stefan Diggs a Buffalo Bill next season? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, thank you. By the way, if I'm looking at anyone, if I'm Buffalo, going out to get a wide receiver too, um, call me call me an idiot, whatever you want, but I'm looking at a guy like Alan Lazard. Hmm. He's big. He's fast. I and think if, he'd be- if Aaron
0: Rod- – well, all right, so if you're the Packers – you know, you're probably taking a step back without Rodgers, but you also need to like. You hardly help Aaron Rodgers with your with your with your supporting cast. Like, you're gonna further deplete the cast by trading away Jordan Love's de facto number one receiver. I mean, look, his
1: market value is three years, thirty seven million dollars for for Al Lazard, if they don't bring him back. Or you know, for that that's according to uh, track.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was assuming he was still on a contract. One more, year. you're saying he's going to be a free agent. No, so he's an agent this year.
1: Oh, okay, I, I misunderstood. He's a free agent this year, unless he resigns. Obviously, with, um, mm-hmm. I mean, but, the but, bills. But, the bills should definitely
0: be going around looking at teams that are maybe not ready to compete next season and seeing who's available. I thought Brandon this, Cooks. Uh, if that guy is good for like six games a year. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so joke, but before oh, okay before this year <laughs> i thought i thought the seahawks were going to be real bad and there was some discontentness over there i really thought they should try to go get dk metcalf oh,
1: Dude, don't don't get me excited i wish that that's what they were all right
0: had. okay but, but point being they need to look around the league find teams who are not really uh ready to compete yet um i would think about let's look at carolina There's no one
1: there anymore, though. Robbie Anderson's gone, and he was terrible. I mean, look, you look at the free agency list. You have your your top five guys right now under the free agency list. Nelson Aguilar, no. Sterling Shepard, okay, maybe he was hurt. You know, he was okay. DJ Chark, not really screaming number two wide receiver to me. Randall Cobb, eh. Marvin Jones, meh. Like, none of those guys are really jumping out like, oh, my God, that's a guy that I want at my number two receiver spot. Yeah, I was talking about D.J. Moore, Carolina. Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, what about one of the two guys from Washington? Yeah, love it. You know, I don't think you can go get I, – I think Terry McLaurin might cost too much, but if you can go mm-hmm. and get Samuel, I'm okay with that.
0: I love Terry McLaurin. He's amazing. You probably got to sign him to a bigger – like, if there's any way that they are moving on from Terry McLaurin, uh, you got to go get that guy. Holy cow.
1: Yes. So, Nick, you know, we're talking about making trades and signing guys. Let's talk about the salary cap a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what does Buffalo need to do this year, A, to get under the cap? Mm -hmm. And, B, do you see them at all being able to sign either Edmonds or Poyer? Because I think you got to bring back one of those two guys Mm -hmm. if you can't bring them both back.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so I actually wrote about this this week, uh, and the the takeaway of the article was basically the Bills were – we're team building on easy mode because Josh Allen was still his major cap. Had hadn't kicked in yet. And that switches to difficult next season. Josh Allen's cap. It goes from basically 16 million to almost 40 million. He's, he's one of the, the top three or four most expensive players in the league in terms of cap it next year, at least until Joe Burrow passes his deal, which is probably going to happen just because that's the nature of the business. Uh, this gets very hard starting next year with, with one guy taking up that, that big of a, of a cap hit. their top five guys account for like 50% of their cap. Like they're, they're an extremely top heavy team and that's manageable when you're in this window, but um, you, could, you just got to acknowledge it. And like, you kind of do have to go all in if you want to be all in for this. So the bills do currently project to be over the cap. I think they have some some ways to to get back under it. And Brandon Bean made a comment at his press conference where he said, um, basically, don't expect a big ticket item. He said, Von Miller is still our ticket this year, too. Uh, and that is a great thing for a general manager to say uh, because they have ways of of moving around some of the accounting and the money here. But the people who say, oh, the seller cap's not real. I think those people are idiots. The seller cap is real because you have to do all this accounting and moving around and maneuvering. And also, like, you have to have people who are willing to do that. Like, if the team – if the players don't like you, they're just not doing that and then making it harder for the team or making them cut you or making whatever. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of times if, if it's a straight uh, – Base salary to bonus restructure. Yeah, every player is going to be excited for that part because they get the money now instead of game check by game check. But um, okay, a couple ways uh, of getting moving some money around here. Charlie, uh, the last two years on this podcast, we have we've gone through the list and picked out some cut candidates who could open up some money who maybe aren't playing that well. The Bills, like we just said, they're top heavy this year. Those people are not as a parent as in years past. So I did go through. I did make a list. The two guys who jump out to me that are pretty obvious bubble candidates are Naheem Hines and Tim Settle. Hines has no guaranteed money at all left his contract. They could cut him and walk away for nothing, save $4.77 against the cap. Brandon Bean did make a comment in his presser about, about Hines you know, in year two um, if if they want to bring him back, that's cool. There's no way they bring him back at his current salary. They are at the very least going to have to restructure that and have him take. He a makes cut.
1: more than Nelson or than uh, uh Austin Eckler does, and Austin Eckler is a starter and a fairly good running back for the Chargers. And I don't think Naheem Hines is mm-hmm. deserves I that mean, much
0: money. I mean. The, the Bills didn't sign that contract. They traded for him. They acquired the contract with the player. like that. Right. That's out of their control. The good part is that his bonus money stays with the team they paid him the bonus. The Bills only have these non-guaranteed base salaries. They can cut him and move on and just eliminate nearly $5 million from their books if they wanted to. If they bring him back, that's great. To me, there's absolutely no way it's at this number. The other guy I mentioned is Tim Settle. I right. didn't think he was totally terrible. He only played 35% of snaps. Um, he's got a 4.9 million dollar cap hit. The Bills can save over 2 million by letting him go. I think he's he's they need to save money. He's basically to me he's a cap casualty and he's he's there, there's not as many of these guys on the rosters in years past. So those those are the two biggest ones that are jumping out at me.
1: Well, you know, and to me too, I think you look at, uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie. His contract's up though. Uh is he is he up he's, this year or does he have one more year? He's
0: got one more year. Okay, so he's he's next on my list. Isaiah McKenzie makes two and a half million or has a two and a half million dollar cap hit next year. His dead cap's only three hundred K. So they could save two point two million by cutting McKenzie. My thought on McKenzie is you don't think there's anyone around the league who would trade for Isaiah McKenzie and give you even a day three draft pick? Like if you could Any of these guys I'm mentioning, if you can at any point get something in the trade market instead of having to just cut them, like obviously you you take that. I think you try trade McKenzie. And another guy on my list is AJ Epinesa. I think the Bills, AJ Epinesa had six and a half sacks. The Bills can absolutely talk some other team into dreaming on those six and a half sacks on draft night and trade AJ Epinesa on
1: draft night. It's funny you say that. He was the next guy on my list I was going to mention too. I think AJ Epenesa is a perfect trade candidate. Uh, you know, I, I I just think he's very he's been very underwhelming the last few years, and I think you know with him coming up as a UFA, you know they're not probably they're probably not going to bring him back. So I think you take that chance of of seeing mm-hmm. if you can be very, him yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this: mm-hmm. What about extending and restructuring? You know. Daquan Jones, Milano, Teron Johnson. Yeah, you know that an option. A- another name, real quick, that you have on this list, Nick. Before we get into that, I'm sorry, is Mitch Morris. Yeah, that,
0: okay, that's what I want to talk to you before we okay. talk about the other guys. So, Mitch Morris is the is the only other guy who's like on the easy list uh, of saving money. So, right now, Mitch Morris, the Bills' uh, Pro Bowl center, is scheduled to have an 11.1 million dollar cap hit next season. The Bills could cut him right now and save five about five million. Or they can do what's called a post-June 1 designation, which is um, basically just an accounting thing. If you cut somebody after June 1st, you can split. Like the rest of his guaranteed money would accelerate onto this year, which is what the dead cat figure is. Um, but if it's after June 1st, half you can divide that between this year and next year, which is kind of nice. And the, But the thing that they agreed to is you can... Instead of cutting somebody in June when his free agent options are going to be way more limited, you can cut him whenever you want with a post June one designation so that he can still go be a free agent. He can find somewhere new to play and the team still gets the cap benefit. If the Bills were to make Mitch Morris a post June first cut, they could save roughly approximately $8 million this year against the cap. And I say approximately because the two websites uh, that we trust for this are Spot and Over the Cap. For some reason, they disagree on on Mitch Moore's, but it, they're they're very close.
1: Yeah, and, and I think too, you you mentioned Tim Settle as well, Nick. Tim Settle. They designate him uh, post June first. That goes up over you know another million dollars of uh, mm-hmm. savings as well that they can get. That goes from two point two to three point five.
0: That's a great point. I didn't even think about that yet, but yeah, Tim Settle. If you want to open another million, it just it next year. You know, is, is when you pay for that one. But you would like to think the salary cap's gonna keep going up. They got these mm-hmm. TV deals. Uh, a lot of these numbers that seem big now are gonna not seem so big in the future. But talk to me about, about Mitch Morris. I'm only I'm presenting this purely from a salary cap standpoint. I tend to think the Bills like Mitch Morris. Josh Allen's comfortable with Mitch Morris. They do kind of need like the the grown-up in the room sort of thing on the offense. <sighs> yeah, I personally like, pre- from a salary standpoint, if you want to open up that kind of money you could do that i tend to think he's going to be around next year and i almost wonder he did take a pay cut he was on our list last year we talked about him i think he he did a restructure and took a took a little bit of a cut i wonder if they do that again
1: you know i think mitch morris likes it here i think he likes being a buffalo bill i think he likes josh allen i think he likes this offensive line with that said as a fan yes i think mitch morris absolutely needs to stay if I'm Buffalo, I'm keeping – well, I, I think because, A, you don't have a choice with a guy like Dawkins, right? But I think I'm keeping Dawkins. Dawkins here. Right, but I think I'm keeping Dawkins, I'm keeping Morris, and I'm keeping Rick Bates. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, free-for-all. I don't care who you mm-hmm. bring in, who you send out at that point on that offensive line, but you need to find a way to keep Mitch Morris because, yes, while he has been banged up, he's had his issues with concussions, I get that. When he plays, he is still the best offensive lineman on this football team.
0: Okay. And it's all not fair even close. Points. Yeah, all, all fair points. I mean, Dawkins not, has his moments, but he's he's inconsistent, uh, to too inconsistent to be an elite left tackle.
1: You have enough holes that you're going to have to fill this year in free agency in the draft anyway. Don't create more holes for yourself if you don't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, the only idea I had or that I read actually on, on SpotTrack was if you let Morse go, you could make Bates the center. Bates seemed to do all right when he filled mm-hmm. in when Morse was injured. Um, I mean, you also could draft one. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it happening because of that camaraderie with Josh Allen, because he's kind of the the adult in the room, which they need. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but Josh does I mean, like Rick Bates.
0: Oh, sure, but Josh would say, I like both these guys. Make right. Bates the right guard, then. I mean, uh,
1: no, I, I don't think. I, I think you find a way to see if Mitch Morris is willing to take a pay cut.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I think at that point, his agent's going to say, "We just made the Pro Bowl. What do you mean, take right. another pay cut?"
1: But I think if 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 it comes back and he says no and you have to make that, you have to get cut that money get get of the cap, then you do it. Um now, I I like Mitch Morse, though. I don't he's the last player, you know, outside of like Diggs and Davis, really on that offense side of the ball that I don't want to see them move on from. I'm you totally yeah, Diggs. Yeah, Alan Morse were three three yeah. for me. Let me ask you this question real quick, Nick. Um, and then I like I said, I want you to talk to me real quick about Allen, Diggs and and, and who they can possibly restructure, you know, Milano and all those guys. But um, is it true that the team has to be under the cap by a certain date that if they're over the cap by the start of the year, it's not – there's no penalties, right?
0: Yeah, so they need – the league year starts uh, in, in mid-March. So this year it is March 15th. You must be – your top 51 contracts have to be, meet the cap – by that date after that free for all until final roster cut down in the league in the, in the season starts
1: one thing to keep in mind too right now for the buffalo bills that has to be mentioned is the bills are currently projected to be about 18 to 20 million dollars over the cap and that's just projected we don't know what the cap number is yet That still has not come in but that's only with 45 you know that's that's they're 20 million over the cap with 21 free agents.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, those- I think that they the guys that they signed to those future contracts, I think count toward this right now.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So that they theoretically have a full team of people under contract, quote unquote, if they if you know, I don't know, something happens, they don't sign anyone, like they have they have a rostered team right now. Okay. Okay. And, you know, that, that's when you get, like, they bring 90 people to the training camp. It's like, who are these guys? Well, they sign them to a futures contract in June to, to you know, meet. I mean, you kind of want to do this because when the league year starts, these guys are all making nothing. So you can get yourself under the cap with what you already have, and backfill with these very inexpensive players, mm-hmm. and then as soon as that day passes, you can go sign people, be back up, and figure it the rest out down the road.
1: Okay, talk to me about the extensions. You know, Daquan Jones is the guy that you have brought up here that can be yeah. you know, extend matt mm. milano i personally think it's josh allen and you know josh allen and Diggs are really the mm. two that i'm looking at here all right well i'm
0: actually let me, let me start on a, a different spot for you ed oliver so ed oliver the bills picked up his fifth year option he's a first round pick ed oliver's cap hit next season is too high for me it's 10.7 million dollars i i gotta wonder I, and
1: i don't know if i'm re-signing ed oliver
0: Okay, that's kind of where I'm going with this, Ed. Al, so that that's a guaranteed, that's guaranteed money, uh, because they changed that. What, you know, if you extend the fifth year option, that's now guaranteed. It used to be guaranteed for injury only; now it's fully. Ten point seven is kind of a lot for him. Yeah, I I see two scenarios here that they they may do neither of these. They may let him play it out and and see if he's worth the money when he truly hits free agency. You could. Get ahead of it now. Extend him another year or two and, you know, have him kind of bonus heavy, have the bonus spread over the life of the contract and bring down his cap hit this year. That's an option. Or
1: you could maybe say Oliver's a trade candidate. He's a guy that I've looked at as a trade candidate. Now I know that opens up. That that, that goes against what I literally have just said about opening a hole up for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I have no problem. And I I firmly believe that this Bills defense is going to be. I don't want to say the best. Yeah, I don't want to say the worst. I should say, mm-hmm. but they're definitely not going to be the best. They may be a middle of the road defense next year.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, but t- talk to me just on on whether or not you feel the Bills should
1: or should not sign Oliver. I'm okay if they move on from him. I think I'm with you. I think that cap hits way too high. He has not proven himself. He's been a guy, just like the rest of these guys that they've drafted, he's been a guy that's come in and looked really, really, really good. However, he disappears in the playoffs. I don't care what you do in the regular season. Like, great, mm-hmm. go win 13 games in the regular season. Go get 10 sacks in the regular mm-hmm. season. But if you can't do anything for me in the playoffs, what good are you?
0: Yeah, I I would say he seemed, the first half of this year, to be seeing uh, a lot of growth, and then Von Miller got hurt, and then that kind of went away. So Mm -hmm. on one hand, you could say he's going to be good again when Von's back, and on the other hand, you could tell me every player in the league would be better with Von Miller next to him. That's not special. No,
1: Oliver's a guy that that I was thinking about early on as someone that I'm okay to move on from.
0: Okay. All right, if – just for, for cap, let's say the Bills decide that they did want to keep them If you wanted to say, let's, let's I don't know, add on four years. Mm-hmm. If you say you pay him 11, 11 mil a year, I think that totally works. Again, should they do this? I'm not saying, but if they wanted to. If you signed him this year to his base salary was maybe $1 million, and then a $10 million signing bonus. And I'm, I'm approximating these here. I don't know what, what the, the rookie minimum for, for his experience level is. That $10 million in the signing bonus. So he would get $11 million this year, but that bonus would spread out over the life of the contract. And then if you paid him $11 million straight each of the next three years, you cut his cap at this year to three point five, and then it would jump up to a half. The next few years. And maybe there's a way the Bills could do that, not guarantee any of the salary in those future years. And he could be a cut candidate going forward with a, a higher salary that's not guaranteed. And then the Bills would only have that accelerated bonus money to deal with in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that becomes the option, you know, to help help get you down, then yeah, I mean, do it. But I I am okay. Again, I'm okay if they move on mm-hmm. from Gabe Davis. Yeah. Or from, anyway, sorry, just front from Matt Oliver. Yeah.
0: So he's 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 set to make over or to have a cap hit over over ten mil this season. Um, if that, that's an option for me, how they could take it down if they wanted to. A uh, couple other guys here. Uh, you mentioned DeQuan Jones. I thought Daquan Jones had a really nice season. I am in favor of extending Daquan Jones. I think there's a way he can mm-hmm. cut his cap hit down with an extension too.
1: Well, yeah, I, think, I think they missed Daquan Jones in that playoff loss. I was just going to say the same thing. I think it was clear and obvious how much he was missed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he's a little bit older. Do you? How long do you want Daquan Jones for? I don't know, but same deal. You can sign people to an extension without making the cap hit crazy this year. And in some ways, you're kicking the can down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're also hoping the cap just keeps rising. They got this new massive TV deal. They got they got Amazon. They're about to do Direct TV, like, or I'm sorry, they they're losing Direct TV with uh, mm-hmm. the ticket, yeah, YouTube right? TV. Yep, YouTube, yeah, that's going to YouTube TV. Huge. They should, they should have all these new revenue streams coming in. It should be good times for the NFL. The seller cap should keep going up. And if you're a general manager, like maybe you bank on that. Um, what about
1: Matt Milano? Matt Milano's a guy, I mean, look, he signed, what, a four-year contract last year, a three-year contract? Um, mm-hmm. I want to get him around longer. He he is clearly the best linebacker. And if you don't know if you're going to be bringing back Tremaine Edmonds, I think you need to find a way to extend Matt Milano, help lower that that cap. Yeah, linebacker. absolutely.
0: Matt Milano is worth every penny he's getting paid. So right now, his contract <laughs> has two more years on it. I'm extending Matt Milano for as many years as Matt Milano will sign for. Take Ooh. that guy. He's good. Pay him more. Like, again, him around. It, put
1: him on the wall of fame when he retires. I'm good with
0: that. Sure. So next year, his base salary is 9.25. You can absolutely convert some of that to signing bonus. Spread the, spread the bonus out. Take down next year's cap it. Absolutely. Milano's a guy they should do that with. Another guy, Taron Johnson. Hmm.
1: Okay I think that, you know
0: too. you know they already they already have have signed him or extended him. Okay, keep doing it. He's good. He fits the
1: system. Do it. What about okay, now what about restructuring Allen's deal? I feel like Allen's deal, Trey White's deal, who by the way, I'll ask you this in a question about Trey White, but Allen's deal, Diggs' deal, White's deal, Dawkins' deals, I feel like are all options for restructure, especially Allen's deal. Mm-hmm. And the second part of that question is do you believe Trey White given where we are with Trey White given what we saw from Trey White? Do you believe Trey White could be a trade candidate next this offseason?
0: Hmm. All right, let's start with Allen. So, yes and no on Allen. Allen has a massive base or a massive cap hit this year, 39.7 million. You got to be careful because that cap hit goes up the next two years. It's 41.7 in 2024 and 51 in 2025, that is kind of nuts. And you got to be careful, like adding to that number. Um, can't you, you
1: restructure next year as well and keep restructuring?
0: You could, but doing that is with bonus money. I mean, you could. So if, if you really try to like next level, this Josh Allen is, is, is how old? 25, 26 right 26, now. Yeah. Okay. You, you want Josh Allen on your team for the next decade. Almost certainly, unless he suddenly has all these bad injuries. You know, there's there's certainly a, a very future thinking GM brain here that says, keep just keep on pushing it down the road, keep doing this, keep it. I mean, Josh Allen's agents also probably gonna want to say, you know, this was a top of the market contract three years ago, two years ago when we signed it. Uh, you know, you're gonna see some some more guys passing that. You know, Deshaun Watson got the best deal. Anyone's ever got that's a joke. Joe Burrow's. I, I'm i telling you, people aren't gonna like to see this. Joe Burrow, just because of the nature of how this works, is gonna surpass Josh Allen's contract. Like it, every, I every, next all that
1: was Joe Burrow is potentially taking this team to the second Super Bowl. Yeah, in, in a sure. Years, what has Josh Allen done?
0: You're not wrong saying that, but uh, point being is Josh Allen's agent is probably at some point gonna say, uh, we want to rework this. So, This is, I think, Allen's contract is going to constantly be an issue. You, you you know, the day it was signed, a lot of people. We said on this podcast, I think, you know, twenty twenty-five is seemingly, you know, the dead money seems starts to drop off after that. Like, you know, they're going to revisit it by then. And yeah, Mm -hmm. listen, everyone thinks that these things. It's a contract. You know, you got to honor your contract. It's locked in stone. No, this is all negotiable. So by the way, when a player says I need more money, like that is their right. The team would absolutely do that back to them if given the chance. So don't hate on players when they do that. Like that's how it works. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is everything. Even guarantees are, are not, you know, they don't guarantee playing time. They don't guarantee you're going to be on the roster. They just, they're a lot more fungible than people think. So could you take it from Josh? Yes. And if the Bills want to make a big splash, uh, they're probably going to have to. Just because Josh is such an insanely big cap at $27.5 million just in base salary this year. They could take a whole chunk of that out, convert them to bonus, and, and push it down that way. So I tend to think that they realize that they need another weapon. They probably need to get it. From an established player who's probably going to be expensive and they're probably going to take that from josh and they also probably uh won't be doing that until a little bit later in the offseason they already have all these other people signed under contract who they can say sorry we don't have room we need you to take less mm-hmm. um so that's kind of where they go with alan i am worried about bumping up i mean so if you restructure it you cut this year's number you spread the bonus out but that bonus you know, that's the all future years now get more bonus tacked onto of them. So you're raising his cap number in the future and just banking that the cap keeps going up or that you can restructure them again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think to to me, you know, I don't going to be tough, but to me, the, the, the biggest thing is, I think Allen's contract, much like how Patrick Mahomes was after the first year, is a perfect candidate for a restructure just because of where he's paid and how much he's getting paid and how much cap space that that can really open up if you restructure correctly. Yeah. You know, and same thing with Diggs. I don't know if Diggs is going to want to do that. And maybe Dawkins does. I don't know if Trey White would, which is why I I think Trey White may be a a, a trade candidate this offseason. I think there's going to be some difficult decisions for this football team not only to get under the cap, but for what you they think want to look a like next trade year. candidate. That's interesting. Oh, strictly Why do you think for that? cap purposes.
0: I can't see them doing that because they really do, in my opinion, need to bank on him returning to Pro Bowl forum here. I thought he was getting better down the stretch, and we mm-hmm. know he's a super emotional guy. I'm in the back of my mind a little bit worried. Maybe words, not the right word, but just curious if seeing this, the more Hamlin stuff has any longer term effect on any players. And they decide I want to walk away from football while I can walk away.
1: So let me ask you this. And that could also be Trey white. We right. right. He's the
0: first guy you think of
1: first guy I think of with this stuff. Can if a player retires, right? Let's say Trey white retires. What happens to that? Is that a dead cap hit at that point that goes on your roster Mm -hmm. when a player retires?
0: Yeah. So, so retirement is basically for cap purposes, the same as cutting someone. Okay. So you don't get out of things through retirement, but if you have paid someone a signing bonus that was supposed to go over, let's say the next four years and they retire one year after getting that bonus, you do have, uh, legal precedent will say to go out to ask them to repay some of that bonus that they were s- supposed to, you know, was supposed to be, you know, Hey, we're paying you this money to play the next four years for us. You only gave mm-hmm. us one. Uh, there, there are examples of teams doing that. So you do kind of ruin some goodwill with that player. Um, I don't know. It's a, t- it's a case by case basis. There's been, you know, there might be settlements based on that. They're, you know a lot of people said when when Calvin Johnson in in the Lions like that was what they were <laughs> upset about they wanted him to repay yeah. some of the, the bonus money which is not wrong like in theory in theory it's not wrong i mean who knows what got said behind the scenes i mean especially with with Trey taking some of these restructures already i mean they could say you know that bonus money wasn't really for these years that was only to help you for cap purposes i don't know if Trey were to Retire, it would be the cap purposes this year would be as if the bills had cut him. So, it, this year would be 22, 23 just in dead cap. They would lose <sighs> cap space if he retired this year. Yeah, that wouldn't that would not be good. No, uh, I don't see a trade really. I mean, it's now,
1: now if they trade him, does that also count towards dead cap?
0: Yeah. Uh, Guaranteed base salary goes to the new team, but any signing bonuses you've given him stick with you. So similar how the Bills could get out of Naheem Hines for free because the Colts gave him gotcha. those guarantees. So like his his per game base salary, if he's playing for the new team, if that would be guaranteed, that stays with the team. But uh, the bonuses sticks with the team they paid because the bonus is already paid. It's just for accounting purposes where it counts.
1: Right, right, right. I I think Buffalo has some very tough decisions to make. I think, you know, to wrap up where we were, Nick, I think they have tough decisions to make on the coaching side. They have tough, tough decisions to make on the player side. I think they need to decide what they want to look like next year. And I think that there's a lot of guys that we've mentioned Mm -hmm. that are trade candidates, cut candidates. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie, we're like
0: 80 minutes in this podcast. I haven't, we haven't even talked about uh, the Poyer versus Milano versus both versus. I'm sorry, Poyer versus Edmonds versus both versus neither debate. Uh, well, those are the Bills' two biggest free agents. They're losing all mm-hmm. pro po. Well, yeah. They haven't lost them yet, I suppose. Uh, and middle linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. They're both free agents, and it's going to be hard financially to keep them both.
1: What do you think? I think Spot Track has, let me just check this real quick. Spot track has Poyer at. I'm trying to see what they have him at for. And why is he not popping up here? I thought they had them both around 11. Do they? Yeah, let's see. They got Poyer, he was at 975 this past season. Uh, His market value going into next year. Yeah, it's about 11. Um, eleven million million three three years for $33 million is what they have his value at. I honestly think that he and his wife feel like he's worth a lot more money than that. I don't know if he is. He's 32 years old. He was a little bit banged up. I don't know if he's worth the money that they think he's worth. And not saying that he's not a good player. But they may tell Poyer, "Hey, look, here's the, here's your best offer. We can offer you ten million dollars. Right? It's not much of a raise. We're going to give you ten million dollars to come back and play for Buffalo."
0: Well, keep in mind who's Jordan Poyer's agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Oh, yeah, Rosenhaus, yeah, which is taking the highest offer, no matter where it comes from, or he's going to push correct. his client to do that. By the correct. way, did you see the tweet from Poyer's wife? Yeah, no, it, it was not. a very nice tweet earlier this week saying you know thanks so much bills mafia you know we don't i don't know what's going to happen with the free agency but like we let you know you have either way like you've been so good she also made a comment in there that they they, actually i know i just got to read it to you full stop so i don't misquote it here um but you're going to hear this and you're going to say wait a minute wait a minute who does that without knowing something already all right so here's uh Here we go. Here's the, you ready for this?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: He says still taking time to process all this while packing up our house completely for the first time in six years. Seems surreal. Bills mafia, regardless of what happens, whatever comes Jordan's way, this way in FA this year, y'all been amazing these past few years. Thank you. Hard heart.
1: Yeah. Who talks about packing their house up completely? If you don't already know you're leaving. Who? Yeah. Packing sucks. Moving
0: sucks. (laughs) Who packs (laughs) up their house completely? Without knowing something like that, that to me was, was almost a tip being like, oh, oh, interesting.
1: well, and I think too, you think about it, I think is a big deal. I think Porter is bigger than Edmonds at times to bring back, right? I think we've seen how much better this defense looks with Porter in it, but I also think that that's partially because Buffalo's depth or lack of depth at that position. Same thing with middle linebacker and missing Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds is also only. 24 years old, and he's been in the league right. for five years, right? He's been at least right. since he was 19. Um, to your point about Poyer real quick, yeah, who's A, who says that, unless you know something? And B, did you see he changed his I picture did. on uh Twitter? It is now the last dance photo of the Chicago Bulls. Did that. Poyer have – what I'm wondering is, did Poyer have his last dance, or is he coming back for his last dance? Um, I mean, you could also say, when was the first dance? Like, you have won no championships, well, exactly. But you know, I I guess think about how you want to think about it. I think that safety is a lot easier to replace the middle linebacker.
0: I know it kind of makes me think, especially
1: a middle linebacker that's 24 years old, five years into his NFL career, right?
0: If I had to pick one, I would say, like, if I had to just bet on it, the Bills would are much more likely to bring back Jermaine Edmonds than Jordan Poyer. Yes. if they could fit them both somehow that would be great um something i just keep thinking about this week is remember last year during the draft they kept man kyle this kyle Hamilton. it would be so perfect for what sean mcdermott does My and and, the, and people were like oh well that would, might make it awkward you don't know what's going to happen people get injured people like all this stuff like like the issue. Bills probably could have used the first round safety, and I know Kyle Hamilton didn't start right away for the Ravens. Even, um, man, the guy was falling in the draft. You could have went up and got him. You would have already had this stuff mm-hmm. sorted out. <sighs> you know, it's just like you 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 get so people get so worried about these things that ultimately don't end up mattering like whatsoever. Like if they if they have first round safety, like the other guys got hurt this year, they might have needed them.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I personally think that you're it's gonna be harder for you to replace Tremaine Edmonds, a guy of his speed, a guy of his you know, his length, um, his strength and all that across the board. He's harder to replace to me than a safety. That's my thoughts. I feel mm-hmm. like I can go out and get a safety, mm-hmm. and who knows, man? Maybe moving Bedford back there, Bedford might be a a heck of a safety. Look at what it did for Antonio Williams when Buffalo moved Antonio Williams back in the day from um, from from cornerback to safety. I was ready to run Aaron, him out of Buffalo when he Aaron was. Williams, Aaron Williams. Williams. I'm sorry, Aaron Williams. I'm sorry. Okay. Antonio Williams was the running back. Um, okay. Aaron Williams. They they moved Aaron Williams back there. He was a totally different player now. Now, granted, unfortunately, he got hurt and that brought us Micah Hyde. But had he not gotten hurt, Micah Hyde never comes here. And this, and I thought Aaron Williams is one of the best safeties in the league until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you do get Micah Hyde back next year, and that says a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Can you replace safety? I think so. I think there's guys in the draft that you can replace him with. I think Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M is a perfect candidate to replace um, uh, uh, Jordan Poyer back there. You know, but there's also you also have Trenton Simpson out of Clemson, who is a linebacker. He's shorter than than Edmonds. You know, if you look at it that way, right? If they lose both, he's shorter than Edmonds. He's not as tall, but he's really good at the sideline to sideline speed. He can also play in space and he can also cover, which has also kind of been an issue for. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds at times is, is him in pass coverage. Um, Trenton Simpson is a much better pass coverage linebacker than what we'd see from Tremaine Edmonds. Um, so I really don't know. I do think if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm looking to bring at least one of those two guys back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If you don't bring back Tremaine Edmonds, you immediately have the biggest hole on your
1: defense. I think if you don't bring back Tremaine Edmonds, then you can't trade at Oliver. Mm -hmm. I think the Ed Oliver situation next year all comes down to what you do with train Edmonds. I mean, I don't know how many teams want to trade for Ed Oliver at that price right now. Right. I I mean, and I'm just saying like, you know, if I'm looking for an option at that point, right. You know, or, or, you know, you might look at a team who has a ton of cap space, like the Chicago bears. Mm hmm. Be a perfect candidate for a guy like Ed Oliver. They have the cap space. They take him. They're still young. They're still building the team. They're going to have the cap space to re sign him. Mm-hmm. He might be a perfect place for Ed Oliver to go. Interesting. All right. It's going to be an interesting offseason across the board yeah, either
0: way. Before we go, I got to ask you this. The Bills' first round pick is, is uh, I want to say it's 27th, if not exactly, it's, it's going to be around there. Thoughts on trading the 27th pick? What would you? need to receive in order to trade away that pick. Up or down? Um I was I was uh, envisioning either packaging this
1: for to move up or for uh, an existing player. Um if I'm Buffalo and I'm trading that pick, right? I think you're looking at that pick, you know, you maybe put it in a package. If you want to move up and you're trying to find a guy then you need to move up for obviously one year, big holes, uh, offensive tackle. You know, one of the, one of the offensive guards, I think there's some really good guards out there, um, you know, or one of the safeties that's sitting there that you feel like you just can't pass up. I also think there's some really good offensive tackles um, pretty high on the board that if you can get up and go get one of them, you need to, right. Because they're not going to be sitting there later. And, you know, we, we've talked about Brandon Bean and what we you know, where these holes really are on this team. If you get it and move up, great, do it. What is he going to take to move up? You know that changes per team, and we we you know that that's all on the on the crazy schematic system that they have, right? Trade trade system that they have. Um, however, I'm trading that pick away for a player. That I am trading that pick away for, like I said, a number one slash number two receiver that can come in, win on the outside, you know, win the battles. And is more or less a complimentary piece to Stefan Diggs.
0: Okay. So if Tampa Bay calls and says, I'll trade you Mike Evans for your first.
1: <laughs> I would I would get that written up real quick. <laughs> okay. I would even take Chris Godwin at that point with, 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 with a one, truthfully. I think Chris Godwin is, is is a very good wide receiver.
0: Okay. Okay. Now I'm I'm looking ahead to 2024. Free agent receivers here. Um, CeeDee Lamb, the Cowboys are going to sign. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, the Vikings are going to sign.
1: If he wants to go back.
0: Fair. Um, well, I mean, they, could, they, have, they got the franchise tag, man. Like, if, if
1: somebody doesn't right, want like, um,
0: Other names that are interesting. Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel.
1: Okay, hear me out. I would trade, like, a third-round I would package like a third this year and like a fourth next year, or something for Tyler Boyd.
0: Uh, T Higgins also in also that.
1: a guy who I would go after is T Higgins. What do we think about Michael Pittman? <sighs> he's a go up and get it guy. He has no problem climbing the ladder.
0: That's a guy. He's on the last year of his deal. He's inexpensive if the Colts probably aren't going to be too good next year, if they don't think they're ready to compete, if they don't think they could resign them, I could see them moving on from Pittman.
1: They're a rebuilding team. It's very possible. I mean, look, I think you look at these teams that are rebuilding, right, that are going Mm -hmm. to want draft capital in some capacity. You look at, you know, the Bears don't have really anyone at this point that I'm really worried about going after. Let me ask you this. Even this year, you look at free agents. What about Allen Robinson? Man, I don't
0: know what to think anymore. I'm I'm the guy who drafts that guy in fantasy football every year, and every year
1: gets disappointed. Are you maybe making a move to Seattle for you mentioned DK Metcalf? What about Tyler Lockett? Yeah, I mean, I love them both. I don't think Seattle wants to trade those
0: guys. I think they're going to try to run it back with Geno and try to be good.
1: Okay, I mean, look, I'll be curious if that if that works, great. Like, good, good for them. I don't know, I don't know if if if. You know, that's going to work, and one of those guys might ask for out, but they both seem to like Gino a lot over there. You know, uh, just just an option. I think there's plenty of options out there that you can trade for this year and have guys with some some money for next year. But I would not be surprised if this team was like a bunch of rental players next season. A hmm. bunch of guys on one-year deals, cap-friendly deals that you're just bringing in to, to – uh, you know, win some football games with, and if I'm Brandon Bean, my thought process this offseason is what the Rams' thought process was when they went and won the Super Bowl.
0: And, uh, okay, Bean said the exact opposite in his press conference, so that would be interesting.
1: I look, I'm I am go sign guys and go go win now. Just go win now. Because l- let's be honest, if the Bills went out next year and won the Super Bowl, and then we're okay, nobody in the cares. Year, nobody no one cares, cares right? Yeah. Look, uh, you you have Josh Allen, not Matt Stafford. Yeah, big difference, big mm-hmm. big difference to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, real quick, before we go here, the draft question: uh, We you took it to receiver. I was also curious. Um, offensive line, like someone, if someone wants to trade you an established right tackle, like what are you willing to give up for that? Um.
1: See, I feel right tackle to me is different. Obviously, it's not the blind side for Josh Allen, but you've seen struggles from Spencer Brown and you know Quisenberry clearly struggled this year. Um, yeah, I look, like, I I'd give up a first round for maybe a guy who 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 is a, a well-established offensive tackle and can 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 prove you know what he can prove his worth early, right? Like, I want a guy who who I've spent a first round pick on that is a first round, I guess, I guess the best way to describe it, right. That, that is equivalent to what a first round talent should be. Right. Um, but it has to be the right guy. I'm not just going to spend, I feel like offensive tackles are so difficult to judge on, on, on picks. Right. Mm-hmm. Look at, we had Quentin Spain here. Quentin Spain was so great. I don't know. want to see him go. Um, Buffalo got rid of him and you don't hear shit from him anymore. Hmm. Who was is, who is the other uh, tack, uh, tackle we had? Um, Buffalo let go. He went to Cincinnati. Oh, um, I know. Who you're His what? name was like on my tongue. I thought, was Quentin Spain on Cincinnati? Quentin Spain went to Cincinnati, yes. But there was another one that Buffalo had as well that was really good. That was all up in arms about Buffalo getting rid of him. Same thing. would never heard from him again. He was very good in Buffalo's system.
0: Mm, I yeah, this, this is bringing
1: a bell here, and I'm struggling. Yeah, I want to say he was uh, an offensive tackle, but anyway, you know, you move him as well, and he's another guy. Look, you can't remember his name at this point, right? Because he just wasn't, um, he wasn't relevant. But it, it's just the way that. Um, it's just the way that 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 often offensive, offensive line in my opinion works you may have guys who are really really good one year and then mediocre the following year you know it, it's all it's all different systems they may be really good in one system and really bad in another system true so um
0: But, yeah, I I don't know. You got got an off-season hot take for me before
1: we we wrap up? I think Buffalo makes a splash. (laughs) Okay. Cordy (laughs) Glenn
0: is who you're thinking of.
1: Cordy Cordy Glenn, Glenn. yes, that is exactly what I'm thinking of. Cordy Glenn was very good in Buffalo system. I thought he was a very good offensive lineman for Buffalo. And he went to Cincinnati, and what did he do over there? Nothing. He was irrelevant. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Man, I'll
0: tell you what. When I was in the locker room, like a lot of these guys are like, "Man, that guy's jack. That guy's deep." And like, I know that I've seen Cordy Glenn push around very strong men, but like, just in terms of the eye test, you look at that guy like, that guy is an NFL left tackle. Uh, who of Cordy Glenn? Yeah, just like, of that. I'm not saying it didn't translate, but just like, did not have the NFL
1: body. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn got released in March thirteenth, twenty twenty from Cincinnati and has not played in the NFL since. I hope he's doing all right. Yeah, I mean, he he, he lives down the down the road from me. He's not far.
0: Okay, go knock um, on his door
1: and ask him. Chuck, yeah, excuse me,
0: Cordy. Plays. Cordy, excuse me. Excuse so me. so you kinda of sucked, but how are you doing now?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought you were really good in Buffalo, but you sucked in Cincinnati. How how are you doing now? How's life? Um Nick, do, what what about you? Any hot takes? Um, I am curious to see how Odell Beckham watch goes. You know,
0: Von Miller was out crouting. Um, I'm I'm a little worried that the Von Miller uh Saka is gonna kind of be like Tradavius White, where it's like, oh, he's not practicing yet. Oh, why not yet? Why not yet? Why not yet? Why not yet? And then, so ba- like Von Miller to me is basically he went through this already, though. He did, but it's still like, um, you know the bills seemingly played their best football at the start of the year, this year and slumped down the stretch. Um, like Von Miller's going to come back and be like this amazing deadline addition for them next year. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, if the bills are four and four, like, don't worry too much next year. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do on defense. Uh, my hot take is more coaches are going to get fired. And I'm going to have a hot take that um, Isaiah McKenzie is not with the team next year.
1: I, I would agree I, that Isaiah McKenzie is not here. All right. I'll give uh, you my okay. real well, hot may, Okay. I guess that wasn't hot enough then. No. Well, I'll give you my, my, my two real hot takes in all honesty, Nick, is Buffalo's going to have two different coordinators next year. Two I mean, have okay. A new D and a new offense Now, now
0: we're playing with gas. I'm sorry, I shouldn't Joe, say kicking
1: with gas anymore. Now we're kicking with induction here, Charlie. Look, I think Joe Brady is your offensive coordinator next season. I think I'm just going to come out and say it. I'd be very okay. ecstatic if Joe Brady's your offensive coordinator. Now, for your quarterbacks coach, he's in town. He's there. He has rapport with your quarterback, Josh Allen. He liked Buffalo, none other than Mr. Davis Webb himself. Davis Webb quarterbacks. quarterback's
0: coach. Co- interesting.
1: I, now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Josh Allen not look like a better quarterback when Davis Webb was the practice squad QB and was on the bench and working with Josh Allen? I don't know how much that played into it. but I'm
0: just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. Hey, so quick question. Have you seen anything about this? Why does Jordan Palmer not have a job with the NFL team?
1: Because he's probably making way more money and it's way less stressful to do what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I haven't seen why, but I mean, I would bring him on as quarterbacks coach. He played for Buffalo for – all of like preseason game. I mean, he's Josh Allen's guy. I, It would work so well. But how much more? My my. In all honesty, I'm pretty sure he's probably making equivalent money and not um, having to be away from listen, his family. During there's the no
0: salary cap for coaches. Okay, if they want the guy, he can make it worth his while. This is we're talking about win a Super Bowl or bust. And you're what are you going to not pay? Your coach, your quarterback's personal quarterback coach. I don't know why no one's thought of that, especially like Carolina with like Sam Darnold. I'm sure they have, but I'm just like I haven't like seen it, you know, actually reported. I've just been
1: guessing. I'll I'll have to look that up. I'm curious.
0: Um, All right, Charlie. Okay, let me. We're gonna get into super hot takey here. I'm gonna knock on wood before I ask this. If something were to happen to Josh Allen and he was not able to play for a significant portion of next year, would you be interested in acquiring Tom Brady?
1: I wouldn't say no. because Let's face it. Do you, do
0: you... Okay, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Like the, no one on the podcast is going to say the look on your face was incredible. You wanted to say no so bad.
1: Dude, I think it comes down to this, right? It all depends who Buffalo, Buffalo's backup is, and if it's Matt Barkley, trust Matt Barkley to go out there and win you 10 games next year. Case Keenum's a free agent. Case Keenum is a free agent, so he's not coming back. So Matt Barkley right now is your backup quarterback. He signed this futures contract. Do you trust Matt Barkley enough to be that guy? No, I don't. So? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: All right, we got him to say it. Look, we, you put – We can shut the pie down. It took an hour and 40, whatever. We can shut that down
1: now. You, you, you You're you going to put him with Stefan Diggs. I think Stefan Diggs is absolutely gonna love him, and I think you're going to have two very fiery competitive guys with – with Tom Brady and Stefan Diggs, that I think you're going to see a much different RAN mm-hmm. offense. Yes. I, would I be mean, interested.
0: Stefan Diggs yells one time during a game and there's 10 headlines about him, and Tom Brady throws a tantrum every other week, and it's just Tom being Tom.
1: Yes. So, by the way, for, for the record, uh, Jordan Palmer is signed to the XFL. Uh, he was hired as director of quarterback development for the XFL.
0: Very interesting.
1: What that means, I don't know, but according to senior vice president.
0: What's that? Sounds like he would leave it for a better paycheck.
1: Maybe, uh, but this is all according to senior VP of player personnel, former Buffalo Bills GM Doug Whaley um, is the one that brought him on in that job. So we'll see if that stays. I'd rather work in the NFL than the XFL, but, you know, hey, it'd be cool to have the Rockets, my boss uh nick quick shout out to the sponsors hey ethos
0: performance rehab let's give it up for ethos uh great video this week charlie about explosive power and speed development uh if you're not following them on social media hit them up at ethos performance rehab and then maybe drop a line check them out if you want to feel better play better perform better and feel better afterwards ethos performance rehab tell
1: them the process sent you yeah i actually watched the video this week uh, I didn't do any exercise, but I watched the video.
0: Listen, you know what? You know what? You lose with age is is speed, all right? Keep training that speed. Keep training for power. I lose, you lose that with age. You got to stay, stay young. We're, we're, we're guys on the wrong side of 30 here, Charlie, right? We're on you the wrong t-
1: side of 30, Nick. Stay we are on the wrong tight. side of 30 now. I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, no, appreciate everyone tuning in. You can follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Veronica. Uh, on facebook at by nick veronica you can find all of nick's great articles at either one of those two locations follow me on twitter at Chow 68 or the process podcast on twitter at the underscore process pod uh thank you all for tuning in we are going to be with you throughout the off season we're not going to take you know many breaks uh, unless we have some unforeseen circumstances one of us will be with you every week throughout the off season we will stay with you we're going to do some saber stuff as well nick 'Cause I think it's time we start talking about some Buffalo Sabres hockey. Maybe get our old friend Joe Yurden back on if we can get are him you away firing from, up,
0: from are you firing up the Rasmus Daline for for
1: awards? Okay. Yeah, dude. Uh, yes. And how about Tage Thompson? He's four goals out of uh, you know, behind behind McDavid right now. Can it happen? I don't know. For the Rock Richard trophy. It's gonna be an interesting few weeks here on the Process Podcast. Appreciate everyone tuning in. And most importantly, remember to trust.